It had been since 1960 since your Beaverinos went down to the L.A. Coliseum and beat Southern Cal. And, my friend, that streak, uh, that what that drought came to an emphatic end. The Beavs demolished USC. You thought they got right last week against Washington State. Uh-uh. Beavs crushed them. We're going to talk about all that more on this week's Eligible Receivers for Erica Morin. Uh, let's start the show. Hello, blog fans. Ineligible receiver. Offense number 64. By rule, that penalty is disregarded. This is Eligible Receivers, the show where we review last week's Pac-12 action, pick next week's Pac-12 games against the spread, and keep track of how we're doing on our picks over the course of the season. Here, here's a problem I'm having, and I don't know if you can tell this or not. Beginning of the show, I say, he's Eric, I'm Warren, let's start the show. End of the show, I say, for Eric, I'm Warren, uh, and I mixed him up there. Yeah. That was a mistake I made. And for really, it's really, you know, you're always uh, hoping to put together the perfect podcast and to fumble it on the intro like that. But I'm gonna soldier on. There's nothing else we can do. We're not starting over. Yeah, we're in. We're in. We're in like almost 90 seconds. Yeah, can't do anything about this, that. Yeah, yeah. You flush it because I've certainly. I mean, in the old days, I would like take like two or three tries at getting like trying to come up with something to say, and then you know eventually I just got comfortable saying something dumb and letting it ride. Uh, and so I'm staying there. I'm doing it right now, as a matter of fact. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, so let's uh, let's talk about uh, last week's Pac-12 games. Do you want to start off in Eugene? The Ducks. The Duckaroos hosted Arizona, a, a listless Arizona team coming off a loss to Northern Arizona. Uh, Ducks were favored by a trillion. And I they couldn't have covered, right? They did not cover. They did not even come close to covering, really. Uh, we talked about this being a game where Oregon was going to get up big, and then we were worried about a late Arizona sort of comeback to, to backdoor cover. It wasn't exactly that. Oregon was up mm-hmm. twenty-four to ten at halftime, uh, but yeah. a nine-nothing uh, third quarter in favor of the Wildcats. You know, you have to say had this game in doubt, right? Twenty-four nineteen going to the fourth, and then Oregon, you know, turned it back on. 17. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. We should be winning comfortably. Yeah, yeah. Turned it back on. 17 nothing fourth quarter. They get the win. 20-21-point victory. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, it was a comfortable win for them. They did not cover. Uh, Arizona is well on their way to not winning a game this year. You know, if you're Arizona, though, that's something you can, like, uh, you can work with that. You know, uh, coming off the – soul crushing embarrassment of the previous week is a we just went into the number three team in the nation's house and we hung with them for you know 45 50 minutes you know we didn't in the end but whatever you know that's something to build on you got to have a half like you got to have a halftime speak where like the coach is just lying through their teeth telling the team they're still in the game and then they get like way more in the game yeah and the coach yeah. the coach on the sideline are like what are we gonna do now we're in this thing <laughs> yeah yeah they're like just just give them the ball. Yeah. It seems like they did that, especially in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. You know what will uh, uh, crush your attempt to uh, win a game on the road against a ranked team? Five interceptions from Arizona quarterback Jordan McLeod. It's not good, man. Yeah. Uh, uh, but what, what were you going to expect? You know, I'd, I'd still say that's a positive piece of work for the Wildcats, considering uh, – 
how their year's gone so far. They covered. Up, they covered, man. They, yeah, they, won, they, covered. they won this game in Vegas. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next up, we go to the farm. Uh, Chip Kelly, kind of resurgent Stanford team that had uh, jumped up and gotten Clay Helton fired and looked decent, you know, since uh, the Kansas State embarrassment to open the year. Uh, UCLA, they had the tough loss of Fresno State. They bounced back real solid by them. I'd say, you know, good good old double-digit road win against a, you know, a, a moderately competent Stanford outfit. UCLA 35-24. Yeah, real tidy win, right? Up 14 nothing in the first quarter and then the final – final margins 11 meaning you know you didn't just kind of throughout the last three quarters of the game you held them at bay didn't didn't really give up too much ground um mm-hmm. so yeah real real nice for ucla remaining i think one of the one of the two pac 12 teams that is <laughs> that are ranked um and yeah good good for chip and uh you know the the conference needs ucla to be as good as possible on go forward basis to uh, hopefully salvage some respect in the postseason. <laughs> yeah, to, uh, uh, to you know, ward off a, a legitimate threat from the American Athletic Conference or whatever for, for you know, in like the overall uh, standings yeah. <laughs> of like conference strength. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, Utah hosted the Cougarinos uh, in a game that ended up being, I would say, a lot closer than the experts might have thought. And here's what was going on in this game. Utah put the ball on the ground in this game seven times, and uh, WSU managed to recover. I want to say three of them. That's a hundred percent correct. Uh, look at me re- remembering a stat from listening to it on the radio over the weekend as I was doing errands and being like, "Oh, that's interesting." The Utah announcers were apoplectic because uh, one of those included like while the game was still in doubt in the fourth quarter, a guy trying to like you know dive over the goal line and just dropping it. And they, and they did that thing where they're like, get the fuck out of here. And they put the next running back in, and all of them just fumbled. What was the uh, Jaden Delora scenario in this one? Did not play in this game. Um, have to say, really, well, really non plus yeah. with the Washington State quarterback situation. Garantano. Garantano, uh, one touchdown, three interceptions, uh, QBR of 31. It's not great. Well, if you're trying to like kind of set your watch to who's going to be uh, starting for Washington State at quarterback week to week, uh, let me just tell you, uh, when it comes to Rolovich, there are no Guarantanos. Yeah. Well, there's one Guarantano. <laughs> like that, I, that was a dumb joke that I stretched out to 20 seconds. Yeah. It's, it's in honor of the, the late great Norm MacDonald. <laughs> yeah. Just take that joke and, and just ride it. Yep. Yeah. Like, oh, man, I, I don't know if I'm going to come up with another one tonight. I better milk this guy. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I've I've no insight as to why this moron played. Uh, I mean, I I don't mean to say that. I'm sure he's like a fine young man. You know what I mean? He's, sure. he's doing his best. Went on the road to a team with a traditionally good defense and chucked the ball around. Got to play college football on TV. Nothing nothing wrong with that. Uh, WSU also had uh, uh, sounds like this guy's in stable condition, but they had a wide receiver like get shot over like this over the weekend or this week or something like that. You had to be like airlifted out. Uh, I, Utah had a player killed on Saturday night. So, so yeah, Washington state did have a player who was involved in his shooting off campus this last week. Well, he was biblically involved with a bullet from the shooting. It sounds like, yeah, but but thank God he seems to make it. And that's terrible news about that poor Utah player. Utah player shot and killed Saturday night at a house party 
and he was the recipient of the scholarship that was put in place last year when Utah lost. Uh, what was the? I forget the I forget the young man's name who passed away for Utah last year. Uh, they established a, a memorial scholarship in his honor, and this guy got it. Low was his last name, and he was killed in a campus off-campus incident. So um, that's not a great commentary on what's going on in this day and age uh, on our college campuses. But uh, it's odd that those two teams played each other this weekend, and that happened to both of them. I think it's uh, not even just the college campuses. I think it's the culture at large for, uh, you know, come up with whatever your theory is, but there's just been a drastic spike in homicide rates recently. Like over the last couple few years. Yeah. No, it's true. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, we could probably take this podcast in a really different direction um, from where it is now. But, yeah, so both these teams are in some respects in mourning, and I've been watching on Twitter this week. You've seen – a lot of the Pac-12 teams have been doing uh, nice tributes to the young man for Utah. I have not seen whether University of Washington did anything or not, but UCLA did some did some nice for him and some other things, and they've been acknowledging that on social media. Well, that's nice. That's always nice to see the schools sticking up for one another in uh, uh, negative circumstances. Sure. Uh, we're gonna a thousand, you know, full one eighty in vibes and talk about Oregon State going to USC. Yes. Uh, uh, so here's the deal. The, the bees we've been talking about for years, they're improving, they're getting, you know, inch by inch, they're getting better year, uh, but they'd still, they, you know, they beat Oregon in the civil war last year. Uh, I'm going to, that's going to be my, uh, uh, Confederate general statue. I'm not going to let that one go. I don't think. Oh, the civil war. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's like, you know, everybody's got to have one. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Uh, and the bees went down there. And just blew the doors off of USC. Just, you know, like, took away their will. Like, you know, you've seen USC to do, do to every other team in the conference a million times. Like, there, there was just one team that was ready to play. And uh, amazing for Oregon State, which is probably up there with Washington State in terms of the most difficult jobs in the conference. For them to get down there into L.A. and brutalize USC in the manner that they did. Uh, is both a tremendous accomplishment and I think uh, really going to help them uh, in recruiting going forward. Just because, you, you know, if you see it can happen down there. Because, uh, you know, I mean, like not everybody watches these night Pac-12 games, but uh, a place where they get traction is among people who are choosing to go to these schools, you know? Like, they'll pay attention to that. And if they didn't, Oregon State's recruiting people will make sure they saw it. So, but... Tremendously impressive win for Jonathan Smith. Yeah, you know, and I mean, the, the person who probably benefits most from all this is, in fact, Jonathan Smith, um, mm -hmm. who very well could be the next head coach at USC. I mean, why not? Looked pretty good. Looked pretty good. Went into the Coliseum, yeah. got a nice win. Um, now, he's, of course, an Oregon State graduate, so perhaps he loves it in Corvallis and would remain there as a lifer. Um but probably not, right? Like, probably he has aspirations to win national titles and, and BCS. I wonder games. about that. Yeah. I mean, because, yeah, on the one hand, you'd think he would. But on the other hand, like, uh, he was coached by Mike Riley, uh, who uh, I'm sure, you know, they I'm, uh, have interactions to this day. And Mike Riley probably has some thoughts about how his move to Nebraska went. Yeah. Uh, and said, well, hey, you know, I mean, like, yeah, maybe there's a cap on how good you're ever going to do at Oregon State, but 
you're loved here. Uh, well, you know. and I mean, when he was quarterback there, they were in BCS games. Like he's like, yeah. he was throwing to Chad Johnson and like TJ Hushman Zada. Like he had yeah. the best wide receiving core in the nation bar. I mean, I'm willing to say bar none. I don't know who like maybe Miami's receivers were at that time. I'm trying to think back to our college experience, which is about when those guys were there. Um, Miami was not that good. It was like Santana Moss, but they didn't, they didn't have a, a second who was on that thing. And then he was uh, handing the ball wasn't, off. Uh, what's his name? Johnson. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. Andre Johnson. Yeah. I think, I think maybe those two guys played on the team together. I well, think, and I think maybe too. Jeremy Shockey was on that team. And I think possibly he went on the defensive side of the ball and Reed was on that team. And so, yeah, but from a, from a receiver standpoint, it was a, team, it was a yeah. good team. Um, but let's say, yeah, from a receiving standpoint. I'll back off that. I'll, I'll put the, yeah, the receivers, I'll put them on par. Yeah, they were as good as anybody. And they went to a BCS game and completely and thoroughly dismantled a Notre Dame team. Um, I, I think Smith was the quarterback of that squad. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. One of the one of the most joyous uh, kind of third-party fan viewing experiences I've ever had, watch, had watching the Beavers just kill them. And he was handing the ball off to Ken Simonton. Backed up by a freshman, Stephen Jackson. God damn, that team was good. What a what an abundance of riches! Unbelievable. So maybe, yeah. So maybe Jonathan Smith, you know, can can do that or recreate something like that at Oregon State and wants to do that and and believes in that. But there's going to be a lot of primetime openings, including the aforementioned Nebraska, um, at the end of this year. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and, I bet, like <laughs> and the aforementioned Miami. Um, both of, both of which will be wide open here in a matter of weeks. I, I think it's tough to say about that. Like, I mean, I think you'd probably say Miami's better just because Dade is as rich a recruiting area as exists in the country. You know, it's like up there with Texas and Southern California, like those, those... Oh, you'd be, you'd be a moron to go to Nebraska. They are. Yeah. No, are that's what, that's exactly where I was going. Like what's so what's so much better about Nebraska than Oregon state? You know what I mean? Because it's like, basically uh, you, you have greater fan support probably. Right. Yeah, and then, yeah. uh, but also the, the flip side of that is like, if you are Jonathan Smith and say you want to hang out at Oregon state and keep going, you've had, you know, I, I don't know what their records have been the last few years, but I feel like they had like two and 10 years and stuff like that. And everybody was like, yeah, you know, you're, you're trying your best. He's been he's been improving every year, but yeah, I, I Nebraska. When you talk about diluted and you know unrealistic expectations from a fan base, like that that those poor guys, man, like how on earth do they ever expect to compete again? I I don't I don't see it. Um, in this day and age, I don't see it. Um, yeah, well, their their uh, their problem that they have had. Uh, is one, you know, it's like incredibly hard to recruit to Lincoln. Yep. Uh, but then two, it's like, what well, when they were good, it's because they were running a gimmick offense, you know? Yeah. And, and like, and with this, like, again, with social media, with the, with the TV contracts, everybody's on TV every week. That's not, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like in Nebraska has seeded its position as one of the blue blood programs in the United States where it's like they could tell a kid from the Midwest, you know, like, hey, you'll be on TV, or, you know, you'll be up there with with Notre Dame and Michigan, and, you know, we, we've got that same level of exposure. It's like, no, you don't. Like, everybody's got that same level of exposure. And, oh, by the way, these other schools have way better 
recruiting base, talent, you know, coaching staff, you know, everything. Um, it's that's a nightmare. I, I, there's no way I would be shocked if Smith went to Nebraska, but USC, Miami, there's there's going to be some big names that come open, and it'd be interesting to see if he has a really good year. The three and one, if uh, his name starts to get bandied about for some of those like really really primo positions. Yeah. Um, so next up, we got Arizona State hosting Colorado. Uh, the Buffs uh, were humiliated by Minnesota 30-0 the week before. They managed to score some points, but Arizona State in the end wins comfortably 35-13. to Yeah, Arizona State covers here. Um, Buffs 1-3. and three. Perhaps we were a little too enthusiastic on the return of Carl Durrell. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that, that was a fun thing to dream on for a second, you know? Yeah, he's got a epically bad offense. They had 13 points in this game, no points in the prior game, seven points. So they're, we're talking 20 points total in the last three games. That's mm, tough. That's tough. That's about a point, 1.3 points per quarter they're averaging, which is not going to win you too many games. Yeah, I mean, they had a good stretch there of uh, consecutive scoreless quarters for a while, um, which you hate to see. Um, yeah, what, what? I don't know. I mean, you figure they're just having offensive line issues or something like that because uh, I wasn't uh, Broussard was like the, the Pac-12 player of the year last year. Uh, they're bad, man. I don't know. Broussard didn't even lead the team in carries. Fontenot did. They ran for they ran for 183 yards. I'll tell you their problem is seven for 17, 67 yards out of their quarterback. That yep. ain't, uh, ain't going to get it done. Sefo Lufau ain't walking through that door. Yeah, that yeah. is All right. abysmal. All right, no good. It's quite poor. Um, yeah. Anyway, so let's next uh, let's go up to uh, Washington, right, where uh, the Dogs hosted the Golden Bears uh, from California. Uh, kind of tale of two halves game where Washington got out and looked real comfortable and real confident uh, in the first half. Offense uh, appears to you know at least found something that will occasionally work, which is miles beyond where they were against Montana and Michigan. You know, they, they look good against Arkansas state and carried enough of that over against California to take a, uh, what? 21, 10 lead into the locker room at the half, uh, in the second half, uh, the offense quit. Yep. Uh, they went on a strike. Uh, the defense joined them in solidarity, not, not in any, uh, uh, you know, like grand way, you know, like, I mean, Cal only had 14 points in the second half. Uh, but it was one of those where like Washington was having to, what, what, here's what, here's my feeling on the game is that I've, it seemed to me as I was watching the game, Washington would consistently get, uh, the Cal into like third and short, fourth and short situations. And I had like, I had zero confidence in Washington's ability to stop Cal from getting two yards whenever they wanted it, you know? Yeah, I do know. And so I was like, well, they're going to, you know, Cal's going to go for it and they're going to get it. And so they're going to have this long drive. Uh, Chase Garbers was running all over, uh, led the led the game in, for both teams in rushing with 71 yards. Uh, and he, he played a good little game, especially in the second half. Uh, and so the game ends up going to overtime and Washington is 
bailed out because of uh, by a you know shock cow fumble as they're going into the end zone. Uh, Washington recovered it and end up winning. You know, Washington did like a full wildcat only drive, uh, showing a lot of confidence in Dylan Morris. Uh, yeah, to to pound the ball into the end zone there. So they got their points in overtime, which you give them credit for that, and then forced the turnover, uh, which seemed like super fluky to me. But at the end of the day, Washington takes a conference win. Yeah, I mean you can't you just can't be excited about a thirty one twenty four overtime victory over Cal. Like if that's if that's where the program's at, then <clears throat> all of the issues that we've talked about in prior discussions still remain. Um, that, you know, Cal's not any good and they threw for more yards than Washington. They ran for more yards than Washington and, you know, just, yeah, the first half it looked good, but then just completely shut down, you know, whatever the offense was doing, just, you know, completely went into its shell. There's, there's nothing you can look at on the offensive side of the ball for Washington and, and just be really excited about it. Like, Hey, they got this going, or this is, you know, this is going to work. Um, it's just, everything's hard and everything's a grind. Um, and the offensive coordinator, uh, Donovan spoke to the press this week. I don't know if you saw that. I was I furiously tweeting about it. So I was, um, so here's what he had to say. The reporter asked him, what was like, what went wrong in those first couple games? And so this is Mike Varell, I think the Seattle times guy, right? It says John Donovan was asked what you'd have tried to do schematically in the first two games that they've since gone away from. He was vague, but did say they may not have adjusted as well. So here's the quote. I don't know. It's tough to tell. We haven't gone back and really studied it. You kind of move on once you're done. And then he goes on to talk about, like, they may look at it later. But I'm like, man, that guy can't oh, ever, no. that guy can never talk to the media ever again. Like, oh my God, you should see the face I'm making right now. I don't know. Oh it's my God. Tough to you tell. Can't say that. We haven't gone we back haven't and looked really at studied it. it. Yeah, oh, you know, I was, I was really tired the next day. And uh, it was a tough game. You know, we lost to Montana. Maybe yeah. in the offseason, we'll, you know, after one of our rounds of golf, we'll go check it out and see what happened. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, here's the deal. I'm watching the NFL on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I have NFL coaching experience. I don't know if anybody's told you that. Yeah. Monday, you know, I mean, we got oh, we got a whole week to get ready for the next game. Yeah. I kind of take that one off. Monday Night Football, I'm watching that. Yeah. Uh, pennant races and baseball, that's kind of taking up my weeknights. Um, and then we got, and then all of a sudden we got a football game to get ready for. I can't be looking backwards. We got to look forward. Yeah. I mean, I, it's just. I don't I don't have the clout to go down into the athletic department at the University of Washington and get a meeting with anybody of any significance. Um, but I feel like if I did, it would be things like that that would make least, you know, sort of like calmly put down whatever I was doing at work and drive over to campus, you know, speak with this receptionist at the in the graves building and be like, I'd like to see Jen, please. Um, and then just be like, what? is going on in this program <laughs> where yeah the, what this guy you let him talk to the i mean like nick saban doesn't even let his assistants talk to the press and and those are like seasoned head coaches as you've as you've pointed out in the past like 
big name, Steve Sarkeesian, like wasn't allowed to talk to the, you know, to the press. And then you got this Donovan guy being like, hey, you know, what happened in those first couple of games, get man? Like, what, what, you know? And then he's like, I don't know. I haven't really looked at it. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't really, your guess is as good as mine. Yeah, you tell, you, you looked Honestly, at it, can you tell now, me? I do get paid a significant amount of money to try and diagnose these problems, but you know, yeah, I, have, I got I got some other things going. Have on. any of your readers uh, made any comments that you thought resonated, like that could give me a head start on something? Like, I, <laughs> holy shit! So I, I, I'm just oh, man. apoplectic, man. I, I can't. It's a, it's an overtime win against Cal. I think your, your position that you took over the weekend of like, I'm just going to enjoy it, you know, like take all of the emotion out of it and just be like, hey, my team won, yay, like. That's all. Yeah. That's all you can do because this team isn't any good, and this program ain't going anywhere. <laughs> so yeah. Well, I was thinking about that because, like you, you were saying that, and I, I agree with you. Is uh, you know viewed at in a certain light when you were saying it's hard to feel good about this result in this game, and I've really been thinking is like I want like I started doing this podcast because like for, for a time in my life, uh, if uh, they're like sports wise and. You know, I'm saying sports wise to appear like a well-rounded person, but maybe in truth, in actuality, there was nothing I loved more than Washington football, you know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, like I and uh, I've been thinking as like you watch these games from like uh, when you were like watching the Michigan game and it was like a packed house of people and everybody's wearing the same color and waving their pom poms and everybody's having a grand old time. Uh, and I know that they have their segment of their fan base that's like pissed off at Harbaugh because they don't beat Ohio State and shit like that. But like, but the I like I'm 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 in like the early stages of like trying to consciously enjoy this because it because it doesn't matter, right? It's just a it's just a thing I like to follow, and I and I would like to stop I stop having the experience where like I'm either pissed off because the game is close or we're losing or bored because we're blowing the doors off of somebody. You know what I mean? Like, because like truly in terms of like sequences that I enjoyed the way recently that I used to enjoy Husky football, it was in 16, the back-to-back weeks when we thumped Stanford and thumped Oregon. Like really other than that, it's been kind of like that. All of it's been kind of poisoned, which we've talked many a time about like, what does this mean for our playoff chances? And what does this mean for that? And so like, I, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to force myself to take a positive view of the game and just root for the team to do well, because it's, because if I'm not enjoying it, then like, what, what do we, you know, I can do other things. Like I like to play golf a lot. I'd I'd rather do that than like sit here and say that like, oh, Washington's you know, we've, we've got no direction and no hope for the future. I was like, ah, they won a game. They haven't beat Cal in a couple of years. Fuck Cal. It's good. We beat them. And yeah, it was fluky or whatever, but I like, and I'm, I'm not sure exactly how to go about this, but it's, I've, it's a, a flaw in my interaction with the team that I think that I think I've diagnosed and I'm, and I want to try and figure out a way to get out of it. I like it, man. Let's just enjoy it. It was a, we won. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. We got to win, man. Hell yeah. Sweet. How we doing picks last week? Bad. Um, oh, no. We didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is last week, I thought that I did terrible and ended up doing really well. And as we were going through those games, I was like, oh, man, I think I might have got all of these. So did, tell huh? me the truth. <laughs> yeah, tell the, tell the truth Wednesday. Uh, so you and, I, you and I went two and four. 
Uh, oh, Worm went one and five, and Tubby actually went three and two. So he was he's uh, in plus plus territory there. So you and I and Worm are all tied at nineteen and twenty one, and Tubby with the two uh, two game lead it appears at twenty one and eighteen. Well, that's good, man. He's above 500. Uh, so credit to him. Uh, let's get into the next week games. I got to pull those up. I like these conference weeks where it's only, uh, you know, these non-conference weeks where there's like 12 games. It's pretty grueling. Yeah. <laughs> to like sit there and recap them all. So I like the conference games. Just give me six, baby. Uh, we're going to start it off at Folsom Field where USC looks to get right against the Colorado team that cannot score USC or seven and a half point favorites. Is that what you have? Yeah. And I got USC. I can't, I mean, I, I know USC isn't any good, but this isn't going to be a USC team that like, I think gets in the dumps and stays there and, you know, deals with the cloud of their coach. Like these guys are going to play every week for their, their uh, interim head coach. And, and I mean, Colorado appears to be God awful. Yeah, that if yeah, it's like you don't need USC to score many points. Like you think USC is probably going to score thirty points pretty easy in this game. Uh, Cal going to score 21, 24? Colorado, yeah, 20, no, Colorado's or Cal, yeah, Colorado. Excuse me, needs twenty four to cover that. Yeah, I don't see that happening. I if USC scored fourteen points, I think they might cover this. Yeah, like so, I I'm taking the Trojans. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I I feel very confident about that pick. Um. Maybe one of the most uh, confident I felt this year. Uh, next up, uh, we have Oregon going to Stanford, a game that has lost its luster. Used to, you know, for a period there before uh, Washington came back uh, under Peterson, this was the game in the Pac-12 North, and by default made it the game of the year in the Pac-12. Uh, Stanford stumbly. Uh, they lost to UCLA. They lost to Kansas State. Oregon undefeated. They are going on to the road into one of one of the tamest environments in college football. Uh, the Ducks are eight-point favorites. I will take the Ducks. I think it's an interesting game, kind of, because uh, one of the I think I've talked about this before is like one of the changes Cristobal brought in uh, to Oregon was that he got rid of the the offensively what made them Oregon. Now they they still do awesome. I mean, they are world class recruiters. They're the best recruiters in the conference by a mile, and because of that, they have insanely talented players for them. But the the stuff that they run is like a lot more normal. Okay. You know what I mean? They like they, yeah. they don't go for it on fourth down as often. They don't really do tempo as much. I mean, they used to be impossible to play against for like ninety percent of the teams that they played, and they don't even really try to do that anymore. So I think like that kind of makes them uh more of a proposition to kind of lose on a week-to-week basis than they used to be they used to only really have like two or three games that they actually had to worry about every year and so now they're the kind of team that can lose any old time but i i still saying that i still think they're uh superior to stanford and i I like them to cover yeah i think if stanford had shown a little bit more last week against you know ucla then you i'd feel a little bit better about their chances you know, even with eight points. Um, but it just kind of appears like they're not, I, I don't know, there's something missing. They're like their mojo is gone. And Oregon's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oregon's got all of it. Um, and so yeah. I, I think, you know, last week was a little bit of a, um, a letdown game for Oregon just because they were, you know, coming off a huge win. And then they get Arizona, who's terrible at home that, you know, they're never going to be challenged in that game. And they still put up a 17 nothing fourth quarter 
you know, just to make sure the game was way out of reach. I, I don't think that that's going to be a problem this week. I think they're going to show up on the farm, like motivated to play. And I don't, it doesn't seem like at this stage in the game, Stanford's got the horses to, to sort of go toe to toe with them. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. So I guess the point I was trying to make by saying that uh, Oregon's changed offensively is like, do you remember like in the mid 2010s uh, when like, when Oregon had a chance at losing a game, like the text messages would fire up and be like, holy shit, Oregon might lose, you know? And on the rare occasions that happened, it was like an event. Uh, Like I said, I expect Oregon to win comfortably, but if they lost this game, I wouldn't be like, you know, shocked by it. Yeah. They don't have, particularly like with Mariota, it was like an expectation that they would always win. Um, yeah, and like, and it wouldn't even wouldn't even be a contest. Yeah, really. and I don't they don't have that aura, but yeah, I mean we'll see. But still, best best team in the conference. I don't mean to demean them. I'm just saying they are not as good as they used to be. You dumb pieces of shit. <laughs> uh, Washington State <laughs> is going to California. This is a real. Uh, this is really going to sort some things out in the bottom half of the Pac-12 North. <laughs> <laughs> this is really. I mean, we're we're looking at two teams that are along with Washington in the mix to finish last in the PAC 12 North uh, Cal lost round one in that battle uh, against Washington. Uh, they get to back it up against the Coug team that is uh, starting a new quarterback every week, uh, you know, dealing with some off the field issues, both in uh, terms of, uh, you know, the, the terrible tragedy that occurred with that one person and their ongoing uh, coach is like, I don't know. Uh, him his kind of flummoxing uh, vaccine position, which uh, one thing I liked that I saw over the week was their AD backing the coach uh, and kind of like uh, fake newsing the vaccine issue. No, that was their president. Said, that was a school president. I love that shit. Yeah. He's like, oh, it's a fucking liberal media. It's like one reporter who even cares about this. And here's what happens when they write a story. I fucking get drunk. <laughs> Good. I think, is that a fair summation of what he said? Good fit for WSU. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. basically what he said. <laughs> yeah. He was like, I've had many a martini dinner. Multiple, multiple martini <laughs> nights or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then the Seattle Times editorial board hit back on him and basically said, you're blaming your drinking on us instead of your bad hire. <laughs> that's like a direct yeah. quote. Like, did they, like, yeah. They came for him, and it was pretty good. So, you know, always pick a fight with well, your hometown paper, which, you know, you can say, well, WSU is all the way out in Pullman. But uh, any WSU alumni will tell you that, that Seattle is where their money is and where they're, you know, they sort of consider their second base. Um, oh, for sure. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's always fun when you're uh, when you're in a fight with the Seattle Times editorial board. Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, if you could say from his standpoint, you know, the news, the local news media means less and less every year. So, you know, maybe maybe he senses weakness and is going for the kill. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, oh, yeah, in terms of the game, I don't know what the fuck's going to happen in this game. Do you have any sense of it? Cal is seven and a half point favorites. and It, I, it feels to me like Cal's going to win this game. I, I, I don't know. Seven and a half is a big number. I guess WSU's got Delora back this week, so I would suggest maybe he had an injury, and they get Borgie um, back. So he's he didn't play in the second half of the game last week. Um, so, yeah, you know, Cal's not very good. WSU's not very good. 
I'm gonna. Be fun. It'll be a fun game. Two well-matched teams that aren't very good. That aren't very good. I I agree. I'm gonna I'm gonna take Cal. I'll take I'll take the Cougs. Give me the points. I don't know what's yeah. gonna happen here. Yeah, it is a lot of points. That's like the one concern is that you know Cal isn't isn't very good. I I will say that you know as we sort of briefly touched on, we didn't really talk too much about the UW game last week, but the, uh, like UW was extremely lucky to win that game. That that like. That basically they snapped out of a coma in the overtime period, scored a touchdown, you know, that they couldn't muster for an entire half. And then the defense was completely gassed. Cal was just, you know, romping up, you know, down the field. And I mean, you give credit where credit's due. It was a great hit at the goal line to jar that ball loose and pick come away with the fumble. Um, but like that game, if that game doesn't end there and Cal scores a touchdown there, I, I say the percentage chance that UW wins that game is below. 20 yeah i would say yeah cal was definitely favored until the moment that ball came out uh oh and speaking of i did want to mention uh the tremendous performance of kyler gordon in that game uh who got the spotlight because mcduffie uh, washington's great gonna be first round draft pick cornerback was out for some reason do we ever figure out why that was yeah he's got a sprained ankle so it's not bad one thing that i learned in this game is that uh mcduffie's backup at DBU, uh, you know, Jimmy Lake's, you know, uh, forte coaching the, the uh, defensive yeah. backs in the Beckett theory is a walk-on. Started wow. started and played a walk-on. Now, it didn't seem to infect, you know, impact us because Cal and their infinite wisdom went away from the walk-on and went directly at Kyler Gordon, who will be playing on Sundays. Um, yeah. And that didn't work for them. He had two picks and – some really nice tackles in that game. So, you know, fortunately it was not an issue or maybe just the walk-on is that good. And that's why he played. But, um, but yeah, it seemed odd to me that, that our second or third string, I guess, cornerback is a walk-on. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't even catch that honestly, because like you said, they kept throwing to Kyler Gordon. Uh, Oh, and I will say another, another positive thing on the offense is, uh, Devin Culp kind of uh, showed some of the stuff that he's shown. I, I remember going to the spring game and thinking he had a really good game, and he did an admirable job filling in for Kate Otten, who was also out. COVID. COVID. COVID Cade. Hey, it happens, baby. It happens uh, to the best of us. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, I don't know. Do we have any word on whether or not he's going to be available this week? Probably not. Let's talk about this week's game. Washington. Is well, let's talk Dallas. about UCLA and ASU. Oh, did we not talk about that? Oh, my bad, my bad. UCLA is a mere three-point favorites in this game. They are the home team. Got to say this is for supremacy in the South, right? Like, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I like UCLA at home. This is a real tidy line. I think Vegas has been, oh, I mean, wildly overvaluing Arizona State, uh, though they did manage to cover last week. Uh, I like. I think UCLA is like kind of sneaky decent this year. I think they're comfy, the second best team in the conference after Oregon. Absolutely, I'm all UCLA all day on this. Now yeah, I liked it. Okay. Now we can talk about what what you want to talk about. That's what I want to talk about is these dogs, baby. The dogs are going to Corvallis, where we've had a lot of joy over the years. You know, a a, a, a good old place for us to win football games. Uh, often to get right trip for us sometimes you lose but you know what the fuck are you gonna do yeah i'm, I'm oh and two actually in my trips to corvallis <laughs> well you know oh oh and four because you went to corvallis twice also yeah uh you know but uh yeah i mean 
They, uh, so, you know, the, the problem Oregon State has had in recent years against Washington as they've been improving is that just the, the uh, pedigree of the horses on either side has been so disparate uh, that it kind of doesn't matter what Oregon State does, that Washington was just so physically superior that and a lot more confident than they are nowadays uh, that they were able to kind of do what they want. But now they've got an Oregon State team that uh, has not been riding higher in recent memory. I'm trying to think of the last time Oregon State felt this good about being Oregon State in September. It's been a minute, and Vegas um, came out of the gates on this game not paying attention, asleep at the switch. The initial yeah. line on this was UW minus four. <laughs> it immediately became OSU minus two and a half, which is where it sits today. Um Per the rules of the pod, we'll be taking you dub in this game. It's a this is a bad this is a bad situation for you dub. Um, they have only played one road game in Jimmy Lake's tenure. That was at Michigan, so this is going to be nothing like that. Um, but they didn't look good, like a competent team. And yeah, you know, there's nothing from last week's game against Cal that would make you think that Washington's going to get off the bus with a great game plan or, you know, uh, something to counteract what is going to be a really confident Oregon state team um, playing at home, coming off a huge win down in the Coliseum, you know, legitimate um, opportunity to stake their claim as one of the two best teams in the North and maybe one of the two or three best teams in the conference. Um, you know, you got Oregon UCLA, you mentioned they, they, very well could be that third team and vie for that second place as well. Um, so I, I, I think UW's going to lose this game. Yeah. I've, uh, I could say, yeah, but I, I agree with what you're saying in terms of them, not like having a plan. This, this is something I've talked about a million times before, because it's a quote that always sticks in my head about Pep Guardiola, Pep Guardiola talking about Vincent company, uh, in, uh, you know, a handful of years ago when they won the premier league, uh, Vincent company was their center back and like, not a guy, they got like 10 other guys to score goals, right? Mm-hmm. Probably put the goalie ahead of him, but this game against Leicester, that was like crucial for them to win the title. Leicester was just sitting in a low block and company ends up, uh, taking the shot from like 25 yards and just slams it right into the upper corner of the goal. Right. And after the game, they're like, well, what did you with what did you think when he was shooting? And he was like, and Pep Guardiola's like, well, I've said pass, but then he stops and he's like, uh, what's important is that he believes he is going to make the shot. Like, what's important is he believes he's going to score, right? And that's where I see the failure in Washington's offensive scheme right now, and it's leaking into the defensive scheme. So much of the job, because at at the end of the day, you know, the the recruiting margins between Washington and Oregon State. Say Washington probably definitely has better players, higher ranked recruiting classes, right? By a but mile, it's not really, even. It's not even close, right? I mean, it's really but, but, significant. Yeah, but but also we're we're also even with Oregon State though. We're talking about a team full of guys who were by far the best players on their high school teams, right? Because it's still at the end of the day, it's major conference college football, right? Uh, that's true. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, like, in. I think one of the most crucial aspects of coaching beyond like having uh, a scheme, you know, that's going to work that you, you know, you coach the players to do that is to, I guess in the process of doing that, 
get them into a place where they feel confident in everything that they're doing. And I feel like Washington's offense, uh, so far they they like they're running the plays to the best of their ability. You know, they you know they look like a football team. It's clear they pra- practice football plays, but they just seem to miss that extra degree and where you get the extra percentages on this shit is where you get the players to run plays that they know are going to work. And that, and this is like circular, but I believe it to be true. When you know the play is going to work, it vastly increases the chances that it's actually going to work because you're just more decisive and you're quicker and you have just more confidence in every movement that you're making. And that's what I would say is the biggest failure of uh, John Donovan and by uh, and by and it goes to Jimmy Lake as well, right? Is that I don't for whatever reason we have utterly squandered the mojo that we gained briefly when Chris Peterson was here, and there was just a thousand percent confidence in everything that we're doing, and it helped that we had good coaching, but it made the good coaching better, and now we do not have that right now. Yeah. Yeah, and Oregon State does with Jonathan Smith. Yeah, he's a you know he's a, as we talked about he's an alum alumnus of the school. He's been improving steadily. You know they've been getting they've been getting some good scalps. They just got USC at USC. You know like his his credibility coming out of the you know coming out of the, the tunnel is not ne- has never been higher. Um, yeah, they got Chance Nolan playing really well at quarterback. Um, took a little while to land on him, but as you know as the starter and the clear leader, but they got there. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, from a talent standpoint, you're right. They're all great athletes, which is why they're all playing, you know, power five power, you know, major conference football, but, but UW's got by far and away more talent, but it doesn't matter. Like they can't, UW can't run the ball and Oregon state leads the conference in running the ball. And if you want to know who's going to win the game, you in any college football game at any level, you look at who can run the ball. Um, and that to me is, is, is it right there? You know, like Oregon state has the ability to run the ball. They're confident. UW can't run the ball and they're still searching. And that is why I am going to be very surprised if UW is, is I would say even in this game on Saturday, like, like not behind the entire time down, you know, double digits at halftime kind of thing. Um, that's, that's what I'm my expectation is going in. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, yeah. And it's like the difference between the team that like is going to Oregon state's going to go out there with all the confidence in the world that what they're going to do is it will work. Washington is showing up to the game uh, in the hope that, uh, you know, they're going to go out there and that the game will remain winnable. Uh, and hopefully they end up with more points at the end. Like, it's like they're going to kind of – it's like uh, one team has the confidence to attempt to impose its will. The other one is uh, going to go out there and hope things break its way is my uh, assessment from, you know, the literal basement of my house uh, having watched both of these teams play. Correct. Yeah, all right. Uh, I think that does it for this week's episode of Eligible Receivers. Uh, for Eric, I'm Warren. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next week.